This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the first Behind Enemy Lines podcast of the 2021 season when we'll be getting the lowdown on Arsenal who take on Liverpool in the Community Shield at Wembley on Saturday afternoon. It will be Arsenal's third trip to Wembley in the space of six weeks after beating Manchester City and then Chelsea there to win the FA Cup and set up the clash with Premier League champions Liverpool. So it should be two sides going into the annual curtain raiser in pretty good spirits. And to find out more about Arsenal and the quiet revolution Mikel Arteta seems to be overseeing at the Emirates, I spoke to Art De Roche, who covers the Gunners for the Football.London website. Hope you enjoy our chat, and Guy Clark will be back after Saturday's match with all the views from the press box, dugout, and the stands in the post-game podcast. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. Hi, Art. First and foremost, great to have you on the Blood Red podcast, mate. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to kind of get get my thoughts out there. And yeah, mingle with you guys about Arsenal Liverpool. Yeah, it's we're really looking forward to the game here. I'm sure you're the same. And Liverpool fans, understandably, are really looking forward to the the season itself after what happened in 2019 uh, 20. But I imagine the mood must be pretty upbeat among Arsenal supporters too after winning the FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, uh, looking from the outside, most people may think Arsenal wouldn't have too much to be excited about finishing eighth in the Premier League. That's obviously not what they would have wanted to do going into the season. But I think that FA Cup win uh, really boosted uh, morale ahead of this this year, especially, I think, because you consider it gives them Europa League football. It's not just kind of the status of Europa League football, but the financial benefits as well will be really beneficial um, to Mikel Arteta's plans in the summer transfer window, which we're obviously seeing with... Um, the imminent signing of Gabriel to kind of strengthen that defence. So, yeah, I think Arsenal fans are fairly optimistic going into this this season and they should have good reason to be looking at the squad Mikel Arteta could potentially have. Yeah, we'll come to Gabriel, Willian and potential new signings in a moment, but I'd just like to, to stick with the manager, Mikel Arteta, who's clearly highly rated, even despite his relative inexperience. You only had to hear what Pep Guardiola said about him when he was uh, number two at Manchester City. But was it in those wins in the FA Cup against Man City in the semi-final and then Chelsea in the final that we actually saw that, God, this, this guy could be a really, really good manager because personally I thought tactically he was excellent in both games. Yeah, I think those games were probably probably the best example of uh, the tactician that Mikel Arteta is. When he first um, came to Arsenal as head coach, he kind of sticked to the um, four at the back system just to kind of steady the ship in my point of view. Because of course, uh, before he came in, Unai Emery was kind of switching formations, <laughs> switching personnel week in, week out. And that was just terrible really for, for Arsenal. They couldn't seem to just get uh, stability, but uh, Mikel Arteta found that before uh, lockdown and then after lockdown is when he started to use the free at the back system and uh, in the semi-final against Manchester City that's when we saw uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles move back to left wing back which uh, ahead of the game was quite a surprising <laughs> call <laughs> in terms of just the way fans reacted to it of course Maitland-Niles has played there before but um, it was expected that either Kieran Tierney or uh, Saeed Kolasinac would play there. But the way he matched matched up against Riyad Mahrez actually suited Arsenal really well during the game and just 
the way um, Arsenal were able to pull City about in that game really was impressive. And then we saw that again in the FA Cup final against Chelsea, how uh, Maitland-Niles again was um, tearing apart Reese James and Cesar Aspilicueta. And then, of course, um, uh, Christensen when he came on. So in terms of just the marginal changes, I think, that Arteta's made um, since joining Arsenal. They've been really impressive signs in terms of the the head coach he can be during games uh, when it really matters. Yeah, and you've, you've also got to throw in a, another kind of landmark victory for, for Arteta, if that's the right word to use, which was obviously against Liverpool in the Premier League at the Emirates before those massive FA Cup victories. Uh, I think it's fair to say that Liverpool were the better side in the opening stages, but the game changed with some uncharacteristic poor defender from Liverpool and then <laughs> Arsenal went on and won the game and probably deservedly so. And, you know, given the fact that that was only one of three league matches Liverpool lost all the season, <laughs> it must have given Arteta and the players a lot of confidence. Yeah, I was actually at that game, so it was quite interesting to report on. I mean, in the first couple of minutes, there was even a firework that went off outside the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone was like, oh my God, what's happened there? But um, yeah, uh, Liverpool, of course, they started the better side and even Firmino almost uh, scored, I think, in a couple of minutes when he kind of deflected a, a, a clearance from Martinez. But um, I think the key to that win for Arteta was um, Arsenal's pressing off the ball because um, from very early on you could hear Granit Xhaka kind of ordering Lacazette, Saka and Nelson to press uh, Liverpool's backline and that's kind of what led uh, to the mistake from Virgil van Dijk and, and Alisson which led to Arsenal's goals at the end of the first half but then even in the, the second half I think it was Arteta and uh, Steve Round, of course, David Moyes' old uh, assistant manager, they were incredibly vocal towards the end of um, that game against Liverpool, uh, kind of instructing, uh, from what I remember, it was Kieran Tierney and Bukayo Saka. Uh, they were just yelling at them constantly to stay switched on for um, like switches in behind the defence and stuff like that. So that was a really important um win for Arteta and I think yesterday uh, in his pre-match press conference for the community he said that was uh, a result that kind of uh, really built the belief in the team that they can uh, compete against top teams and even beat them uh, which of course they went on to do again in their FA Cup run. Yeah, I think you've, you've said it's kind of reinforcing my own belief looking from the outside that the players are really playing for Arteta. He's, he's made some big decisions, you know, Mesut Ozil didn't play at all at the back end of the season. You know, Guendouzi lost his place after that game at Brighton. He seems to be pretty decisive and it seems like the players are not only accepting his decisions but completely backing them with, with the performances on the pitch. Yeah, I think from uh, a first glance his decisions can seem a bit stern in terms of the dropping of players like Gwendouzi. Um, but when you look at the bigger picture, it, it does work, I think, because a similar stance was kind of taken with uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles before lockdown. So, of course, Maitland-Niles was quite prominent under him in his uh, first few weeks in charge as a right wing back. But um, after the draw at home to Sheffield United in January, he didn't start another game until after lockdown, actually, uh, his only appearances before 
uh, football kind of went on that break where as like substitutes uh, as a substitute in like the 90th minute of games and playing for the under 23 so uh, as Arsenal were about to go into lockdown Mikel Arteta did actually speak to uh, James Benj my colleague of course at football.london uh, saying that Maitland Niles had to buckle down really and just show how much he wanted to get into the side and uh, he did that during lockdown. He was able to uh, impress Arteta with his attitude during lockdown, and that um, resulted in him getting chances um, after the restart. And I think we could see that again with Matteo Guendouzi. Uh, he was asked about him ahead of the Community Shield, and uh, Arteta said that he, he he's going to be treated like anybody else in the squad that what happens two weeks ago, two years ago, and football doesn't really matter. It's about what the players can offer to him at this moment in time. And I think um, that kind of strong stance in terms of if you're not cutting it today, you won't get in the team. But that doesn't mean further down the line you can you can get uh, reinstated into the team. I think that is something that has proven to work best um, with Maitland-Niles. You mentioned the fact that he was asked about Gwendouzi at his press conference on Thursday. He was also asked about the captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who scored obviously the two goals in the semi-final and final wins over Man City and Chelsea. He's a world-class footballer. It's a pretty obvious statement to make and I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will know all about him from working with the with the striker at Borussia Dortmund. But I suppose the, the question is now, with only a year left on his contract, what's his future? So Arteta's actually been really confident when speaking about him throughout um, the summer, even before the end of last season, he was very confident that he'd be able to get um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to stay at the club. Um, of course, uh, with that year, there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of links away from the club. Uh, I think Barcelona um, um, were the main kind of club being linked to him. But Arte- uh, Aubameyang, sorry, uh, looks very happy at Arsenal. I mean. Uh, club captain leading Arsenal to their record 14th FA Cup um, victory. I think he's been—he hasn't been shy in in um, in admitting he wants to stay at the club. If if you look at his Instagram, he's he's always draped in Arsenal uh, training gear. And even um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, like you know, we we have, as journalists we have to do uh, videos and stuff to mm-hmm. cover all the latest news and he actually liked uh, one from myself oh, uh, wow. saying, that he, saying that he was about to, uh, he was ready to sign a new contract. <laughs> so I, I think, I think the writing is fairly on the wall that uh, he can, uh, we can expect him to stay at the club. But of course, everyone's just waiting for the announcement to be made. And Arsenal fans have actually been getting really uh, annoyed, could be the word that, that, Arsenal haven't announced it yet. The way they've got the kind of um, notifications clicked on for the Arsenal account, just ready for the announcement to be made. But yeah, I think uh, keeping Aubameyang is going to be really important for Arteta moving forward, of course, because he was um, he himself was given a three and a half year deal in December. So having Aubameyang, who uh, we expect to sign a three year deal, having Aubameyang for kind of the whole spell of his first contract at, at Arsenal uh, will be 
very important to kind of build his uh, a team and his vision uh, for the future. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. You look at the Arsenal squad. There's, there are a number of young players, a number of excellent younger players. I'm going to ask about one Saka in, in a in a moment specifically. But you know, you, you look at the rest of it, and there is some experience there. But there's there's no doubt Arteta wants to litter the squad with or mix the squad a bit of both. Really, youth and experience, and that's probably demonstrated by the signing of of Willian on a free transfer from Chelsea. He's a, a player who Liverpool fans know all about. He's had some excellent games against Liverpool over the years, and I, I take it he is going to play a big part in in what Arteta wants to do. Yeah, I think even though um, obviously the Willian is 32, I believe, mm-hmm. just turned 32. So uh, in terms of game time, he may not uh, have uh, an unbelievable amount of starts this year. But um, in terms of the effect he can have on the squad, he'll play a really important role because Mikata has spoken in depth about how he wants a real blend of players of course young players who impressed last season like Saka but players as well who can guide them really in, into their uh, through their formative years as professionals of course Saka's only 18 still he turns 19 next month in September you've also got to look at uh, Reese Nelson who's only 20 years old Emil Smith-Rowe's just turned 20 years old as well and then You've got even more players who can fit into that kind of mould of young players who just need to be guided at the moment. And we even saw that last season with the fact that um, during the restart, Bukayo Saka started quite a few games in the first block of games. Mm-hmm. But um, in the second block of games, he, I believe, only started twice and was on the bench for both the FA Cup semi-final and final. He didn't even uh, play any minutes in the final uh, so even though he had an amazing season and signed a new contract in July uh, the fact that Mikel doesn't want to burn these players out too early is something that I think uh, was very uh, influential in the, de- in the decision to sign Willian. Yeah, I'll have to ask you about Saka probably from a, a kind of selfish point of view because every time I see him play, I'm just so impressed with him. He seems to play in different positions and wherever he he, he goes, he's, he's outstanding. I know he was kind of a player in the gossip columns as well that Liverpool would potentially to be interested in, understandably, because they, they needed a left-sided competition for Andy Robertson before they signed uh, Costas. Uh, but he's obviously signed a new contract with Arsenal now. His, his immediate future certainly at the Emirates. Just how good could this boy become? I think it's hard to speak about because you forget how young he is. He's still only 18 years old and the ease he walked into the Arsenal team with uh, last season was quite unmatched, really. I don't think we've seen something like that since uh, when Cesc Fabregas uh, came into the side. And yeah, as you mentioned, the kind of variety in his play, the fact that he can play left back, left wing, right wing, even central midfield, he played well um, last season. Uh, the fact that they can do so much so well will be a massive boost for Arsenal. And in terms of how good he can be, I I, I think I'd be doing him a disservice to, to just cap it off at, at a tangible kind of rate of how good he can be. I just think... We just have to sit back and enjoy enjoy the ride, if that's if that's possible. 
Um, in terms of how important it was for Arsenal to get him to sign that contract, I think it was uh, very important because, of course, with Liverpool, they would have had a, a, a massive pull in terms of uh, the success they've had under Jurgen Klopp, especially in the last few seasons building up to the Premier League uh, victory, not just the Premier League victory on its own. It's been a process that everyone's been able to see. Uh, I think any player would be attracted by that. But in terms of the sign, it also sends to the players below Saka in the pecking order. So uh, you look at Tyrese John Jaws, a talented striker coming through the under-23s. Matt Smith, another player from the under-23s who's very highly rated, who's now uh, gone out on loan to Swindon, Swindon Town for this season. Uh, the message it sends to them, I think, is even more important than just um, the confidence it will give uh, Bukayo Saka this season, uh, as it shows Arsenal is a place where these players can uh, flourish and for their uh, careers to have the best kind of future. Yeah, before we started this uh, recording, the podcast, I said I'd had a look at Arsenal squad when uh, researching and doing my fact-checking for for the questions obviously asking you now, mate. And I, I was really impressed with that Arsenal squad. And the more you spoke today, I can I can understand why Arteta must be quietly confident about the future. I know it's, it's difficult. Liverpool have set an incredible standard. Obviously, City have done that in recent years too. And if, if they sign Lionel Messi, well, God help the rest of us. Uh, and obviously, Chelsea at the moment are, are spending huge amount of sums. But on, on the quiet, I know, as, as you rightly said at the top of our conversation, an eighth-place finish was, was not good enough for Arsenal last season but there certainly there does seem to be room for, for positivity and the next few years Arsenal could certainly start getting back to that kind of level they, they, they've been at for so many years Yeah I think the young players like you said will play a massive role in that because of course they might not be at, at finished articles at the minute but you look at uh, Joe Willock in midfield he's a player that Arteta highly rates that he's uh, he's Usually more of a box-to-box player, but he's even been used as a number 10 by Arteta because uh, the physical kind of attributes he has, he lends himself to the way Arteta wants to play football really well. It's just the decision-making that he has to improve, and that's something that I believe will be the case for any young player across the country. I think even if you look at uh, Rian Brewster for Liverpool, yes, he's a great talent, but it is about getting that regular game time that is going to improve his decision-making. And I think when you look at the youngsters Arteta has uh, moving forward into the upcoming seasons, not just this season alone, he'll be very um, very encouraged with the signs moving forward. I think uh, Emil Smith-Rowe would also be someone that can fit into that category because um, last season he spent the, the back half of last season on loan at Huddersfield Town where he, he was very impressive and one of the key um, issues for Arteta last season uh, was the creativity inside that was re- really lacking after the move to a back three. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe is a player uh, who whose preferred position is a number 10 but at and at Huddersfield he really showed what he can do from that position. He was, I believe, the uh, top chance creator in terms of uh, chances created per game when he moved to Huddersfield and that is a gap in Arteta's side that needs filling of course with um, 
the potential departure of Mesut Ozil next summer. It's not likely move this summer, but with his contract up next summer, that that is going to be a kind of role in the side that needs to be filled. So I think Arteta will be very encouraged by the youngsters he has coming through and nurturing them in the Europa League this season will also be uh, very beneficial for him in that sense. So, so a plethora of, of youngsters to, to call on who've got a very bright future. William signed, it looks like a Bamiyang staying. Just before we talk about the, the game itself and wrap up, uh, I just want to ask you about Nicola Pepe because there were a lot of rumours last summer. A lot of Liverpool fans were excited that he actually, actually might end up at Anfield. Obviously, he went to Arsenal for a huge fee and I've seen him sporadically throughout last season and he did some amazing things, scored some great goals. But has he been able to live up to that massive price tag? I think... It's been very hard in terms of if you were looking at it as a as a case, oh, is a player going to live up to the price tag? Maybe not over the course of the whole season. But I think it's really important to remember he he had to deal with three different head coaches yeah. in yeah. in his first in his first season in England he had Unai Emery, Freddie Jungberg and then Mikel Arteta. And under Emery, no one <laughs> no one apart from Aubameyang, Saka and Leno were really performing that well. Uh, then Freddie Jungberg's job was kind of to just steady the ship for Arteta to come in. And then again, it was quite of a slow burn under Arteta, I'd say, because uh, I think one of the main criticisms for Pepe was he is very predictable, cutting onto his left foot. Um and that was something that was holding him back. But I think after the restart, we really start to see uh, what he can really do when he is a bit more unpredictable. When he, For me, anyway, the, the real game that showed that was the FA Cup final because he wasn't just uh, standing on the right wing waiting for the ball and then trying to beat a man. He was drifting in, in field. He was, he was popping up on the left side. He was popping up in... Uh, on the edge of the box, he was popping up on the right as well, whipping crosses into the box, sliding balls in, in behind the Chelsea defence. So um, in terms of that performance, I think that is what Arsenal fans will be expecting to see on a more regular basis before they say he is a player that has matched the uh, kind of the valuation that uh, was found with his signing uh, last season. But I do feel that Arsenal fans on the whole have been impressed with Nicola Pepe since he arrived at the club last uh, summer and they're excited to see uh, what else he can do next season and, of course, for the years to come after that. We may see him on Saturday at Wembley against Liverpool. I'll just ask you a quick question about Liverpool. Obviously, Premier League champions uh, are an incredible point total. Only one other team Manchester City's ever battered it in the, the history of top flight of English football. How impressed were you by them last season when you watched them? I, I was very impressed, yeah, I've got to say, because uh, when you look at the 18-19 campaign, of course, the one where they finished second, I actually did think they were going to win the league that season and to not do that and still come back uh, as hungry as they were, I think it really showed how how well Jurgen Klopp has drilled the kind of philosophy that it, is, it isn't going to take uh, one night to kind of breach the Premier League title. It's going to be a, a, a relatively slow burn, but 
I think the way that the Liverpool players brought into that was re- uh, really good to see. And what kind of impressed me most was that in kind of the early years of the process, a lot of the attention was on Mo Salah, of course, because of especially his first season, how well he did that year. But um, when you look at last season, it wasn't just him that was contributing to the success. You look at Sadio Mane, he was just as important. And I think the fact that uh, as well, you look at the, um, I guess you can, I'll call them wingbacks. <laughs> um, <laughs> or or maybe even wingers, you can call them. They're definitely not just fullbacks anymore, are they? <laughs> yeah. No, they're not, they're, you can't just call them fullbacks anymore. <laughs> but yeah, you look at the contribution of um, Trent, Alexander-Arnold, Andy Robertson, and then even the job the midfield did. It's not kind of the traditional job you'd expect for a midfield free of uh, Henderson, Cater, Chamberlain, Wijnaldum, and, and Fabinho when, when they're all rotating. But uh, I think the kind of group effort it took to kind of reach that goal and stay consistent was uh, very impressive to see from the outside looking in. Yeah, and we'll see uh, if they're fully firing straight away on, on Saturday in the Community Shield. I think it is a glory, glorified friendly at the best of times and I think maybe even <laughs> more so this year because, God, it's it's the strangest pre-season most of us will have ever experienced, perhaps ever experienced. But are you looking forward to the game? Do you think we're in for a good game? And do you think Arsenal can continue this great run at Wembley? <laughs> yeah, I am looking forward to it, to be honest. I think um, it's in terms of an Arsenal perspective, it's going to be a difficult game because they've only had one um, pre-season friendly as it stands because, of course, they finished last season not even a month ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think dealing with um, Liverpool's attacking threats is going to be a real tough task. But then again, I think that just will breed goals. And I think that's (laughs) that's what everyone wants to see at this point of the season, of course. Klopp and uh, Arteta won't want to see too many goals, but with how rusty both Liverpool and Arsenal will be, I think uh, we can expect a fair amount of goals. And I think um, the the Carabao Cup game last season, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, if, if, if it's anything like that, I, I, I'll be uh, I'll probably be panicking in the press <laughs> box. But um, in terms of just the spectacle, I think that'll be a great kind of. Uh, a great thing to watch for everyone if if it's anything like that. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of if Arsenal can continue that great one at, run at Wembley, I think they'll be confident that they can because, of course, they beat Liverpool last month. Uh, but it, it's going to be it's going to be a grind. <laughs> I think a real grind for them to do that. Yeah, I'd take 5-5 five, five in penalties. Let's kick the start of the season with a bang. <laughs> Absolutely. Art, it's been a, an absolute pleasure speaking to you, mate. Uh, love to speak to you again throughout the season, if that's okay. And yeah, just direct our listeners to the, the football.london website. There's loads of brilliant writing on there, not just Arsenal uh, perspective. There's all the top football uh, clubs in London are covered and, and obviously we'll have loads on the Liverpool Echo site leading up to the community this year. But yeah, Art, thanks again for, for taking the time to speak to us, mate. No problem, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.